something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. All right, Ben, I think we got another interesting one to talk about today. Yes, Scott, I was just about to say you look very interested. I am. You, it's usually interested or interesting. Interested. Oh, hmm. no. I mean, I think you're taking that the wrong way. Yeah, you've I'm got, a little sad. No, you know, you've got your thing going on. I think you're a fascinating person. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <laughs> um, man. Actually, this is something Deep. I, w- I want to go ahead and talk talk this one out with you. Mm-hmm. Um, man, we've gotten a lot of feedback from uh, our podcast on specific models of vehicles. Yeah, you're right. We have like the Model T. The Mini. Uh, the Mini is another good mm-hmm. one. Uh, we've done a lot of military vehicle yeah. specifics. Yeah. Um, we've got, yeah, we've, we've talked about certain types of cars. We've talked about muscle cars. We've mm-hmm. talked about um, different specific vehicles that, like you said, people get, you know, that kind of perks up their ears. That talk. Do we talk about the Tucker? Hmm. I don't know. Touched on the Tucker. I'm going to have to look back because yeah. we've had a lot of episodes at this point. You know, that? we have had a lot of episodes. So everybody who's uh, listened to most of our episodes, and or, it's all right here in the mind. I've yeah. got it all trapped up here. I don't know. I don't have a list. And right here in the heart. That's right. For, so for everybody who's listened to all our episodes, thank you guys so much. Yeah, we appreciate right. it. That's right. That's we a lot will, of time to dedicate. We to will this. try to be funnier. <laughs> well, attempt, attempt. Um, yes. So sorry if I jumped on no, here, no. but. Um, this is kind of a unique one because this is one that that is an offspring of another company that has mm-hmm. a, a a long long history. Yes. And uh, for those of you who don't don't know what we're talking about, of course you probably looked at the title of the podcast I would think, but we're talking about the Avanti. <laughs> and the Avanti uh kind of it was brought on, I guess, by uh, someone within the Studebaker Corporation mm-hmm. uh from back in the the early 60s. Mm-hmm. Um and it happened really quickly. Uh, the Studebaker did, or I'm sorry, the Avanti did. Yes. And, uh, the problem was Studebaker shortly thereafter went away. Yes. Um, in 1961, right? We're talking about Sherwood Egbert. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the, the new guy on the block, by which I mean the president of Studebaker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he was the new president. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to get more younger car 
customers, right? Car buyers. Yeah, that's right. Because I, I mean, I can show you a picture here of what mm-hmm. the, the Studebakers looked in the fifties, and uh, they had kind of this bullet nose design. They were yeah. uh, they were big. I mean, they're cool looking. I yeah, mean, to but, look back at them, but mm-hmm. looking at this compared to what he was aiming for, yes. uh, it just doesn't seem to match up. And also, uh, you know, if you see that 50s uh, Studebaker, it has kind of a 40s feel to it. Yeah. You know what? Oh, one good thing that um, we can mention that maybe people are familiar with this already and they don't even know it. What's that? Uh, the Muppet movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, Fozzie, yeah, yeah. Fozzie Bear drove a Studebaker like the one I'm talking about. Now, there were a lot of different body styles. He drove mm-hmm. one that looks a lot like this commander that I've got here. Um, a photo of it here, mm-hmm. anyways. Um, but yeah, Fozzie Bear drove one of those when they were headed out to, uh, was it California? Wouldn't it, wouldn't that be, uh, cool? We just gave people a neat little piece of movie trivia. Mm-hmm. Now, don't, don't force it in conversation, you guys. Wait until it's on, especially if you have friends who think you don't know diddly about cars. That's right. And then when, when you see the, when you see the drive, go, oh, I love Studebakers. And do you know where that car is located right now? No. That car is in South Bend, Indiana, in the Studebaker Museum. That's right. There is yep. a museum. It's on display. On I really display. want to go got, to that museum. I have it in my hand right now, the brochure. I was just in Indiana not long ago, and I picked up the Studebaker National Museum uh, handout brochure. Mm-hmm. And it's not mentioned here on this, but uh, the, I know that the Muppet vehicle is on display in the museum. They've got something like 70 cars. Mm-hmm. Um, $8 admission. Come on. Are you How kidding? Can you go wrong. No, you can't do that with a stick. Eight dollars for adults and uh, kids are five bucks. I would try to. Do you five think bucks. I could pass pass off as a child? I, it's open seven days a week. I'm looking at the thing right now. Yeah, you probably could. Thanks, man. Maybe I could push you in a stroller. Sure, I'll probably have to shave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my maybe. hairy baby and I. Maybe that's right. I'll <laughs> dare anybody to call my baby ugly. Three dollars, man. You know, we could probably buy something <laughs> at the gift shop. That's right. But uh, yeah, so so the the Manny contacts. Uh, the man he uh, asked for. Oh, that's right. We're way back there at that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. We're still at that point. He um, he asked a fellow named Raymond Lowy, and I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. I think that's right. Um, to help him attract these younger buyers, mm-hmm. and as as we said, uh, the Studebakers of the time were more of an. I don't want to say an old people car. No, no, it was just a typical sedan that you'd find mm-hmm. um, from back in the day. You know, when it's a, a taller vehicle, it was it was huge. They were big cars. Yeah. Uh, relatively speaking to today's cars, I mean, I sure. think they were smaller than a lot of the, the cars that were coming out of Detroit at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, they were uh, they were big vehicles compared to what they were looking for. They looked at yeah. something sleek and stylish, sexy. Yeah, exactly. Something something that uh, you know. Uh, early twenties guy with with uh, money to burn would see and say, "I want to take my girl out in that." Exactly. Yep. So, yep. So he uh, in what was it early nineteen sixty one? Lowy yes. did a uh, a bunch of sketches, and mm-hmm. uh, you can actually you can find these sketches. I think they're somewhere online. You can uh, and they're they're in a museum somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the idea was that you know here's this uh, this kind of sporty, sexy. A sports car that, that would come out of Studebaker. Um, and of course, Egbert said, you know, let's do it. This, yeah. is, this is a good design. Let's do it quickly. And, uh, one of the, I mean, this is incredible for the, the time that we're talking about here. Cause mm-hmm. we're talking the early sixties by 1962, early 1962. So that's, um, a little bit over a year later. Yeah. It was ready. The prototype was ready, uh, for debut, which is just for anyone who doesn't know how long it takes to take a car from paper mm-hmm. to prototype. It's 
Well, now it's a lot shorter. Now it's a lot shorter, but, but at the time. In 1962? Yeah. Come on. It, it took a long, long time because they had, uh, I think they were just starting to do clay modeling thanks to, uh, you know, the idea of Harley Earl in General Motors. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of his thing. And, um, you know, they, they just realized that, yeah, we can do clay modeling a lot faster than we can make a full metal mock-up. So they did that and they made, yeah. you know, scale models within a week. I think they had a clay model in five weeks of the Avante. And then they had a full scale, you know, mock up and a prototype of this thing ready to go just a, just a little over a year later. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to double check this, but I thought I, in my reading, I found that they debuted this thing at the Indianapolis 500. Um, um at I the th- track during the month of May. Yeah, I found, I found the same thing. Okay. Where they, I think that was because the, the pace car that year was a, a, a Studebaker Lark vehicle oh. uh, for 1962 and i think that okay. that's when that's why they brought it out as kind of a um you know hey we're well we've got our product on display here by the way we've got this new avante that we're coming out with soon you may want to take a look at this and and here's a sporting crowd mm-hmm. that would be interested in such a vehicle do you want to do some timeline stuff or do you want to talk about what makes the avante different you know what? i i do want to do some uh some timeline stuff because yeah. um the 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 studebaker history and that that's the beginning part of this yes and we'll find out that studebaker goes away mm-hmm. avante carries on which is kind of a, a unique part of this whole story that's why this is so intriguing you don't see that happen no no this just doesn't happen because uh, you know when the company the the parent company goes sure. usually every bit of it goes it's like um Okay, let's say Pontiac went away. Um, mm-hmm. Now, of course, General Motors owns Pontiac, or owned Pontiac, but sure. let's say that someone con- decided to continue making the Solstice uh, Roadster, mm-hmm. but they didn't. No one's no one's kept that. No one has said, "I have an interest in that vehicle. Let's let's carry it on." And it's sort of uh, for a non-car analogy. It's it's sort of like Coca-Cola closing and someone else going, "You know what? I will just make Sprite." Yep, that's right. They're like, I, I like Sprite so much, I'm going to buy the, the rights to make Sprite. And that's and, all we're uh, going to make. We're just going to make Sprite. Sprite. <laughs> yep, that's and, right. And this is what has happened. Yeah, exactly. With this the is the same, the same thing. Now, a lot of a lot of the Studebaker history goes way, way back, and I'm going to go through it quickly here. Let's okay. let's run it through. I love, well, I'll run I love it through the timeline. Um, believe it or not, Ben, and, and when you hear this number, don't freak out. We're going to go through it quick. Okay. Studebaker history timeline Starts back in like 1730s. I'm freaking out. The Wait, 1730s. I'm I mean, freaking that's, out. That's when the members of the Studebaker family, which was something else. I mean, it, it was mm-hmm. changed Studebaker. Um, arrived from Germany in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And the, the, the strange thing about this is that you know it, it goes from way back then, and you would think like, okay, well, that's just the arrival of family. Nothing's going to really happen until the 19 early 1900s, right? Sure. Mm, not the case. Not the case. Not the case. Studebaker. Built Conestoga wagons uh, back in the day when you know pre-car days. No way, Oregon I, Trail. Yeah, that's right. They style. built a lot of the vehicles that you know people used to head out west for the gold rush, and wow. um, they supplied wagons for the Union soldiers in uh, the Civil War. Um, you know, later they they worked on on cars. We'll we'll get through this as we go through. Um, in 1831, the town of South Bend, Indiana, was formed. Right. Mm. So this is the the founding of the country. Studebaker predates exactly predates the city that it called home. Um, so in 1852, uh, they they actually opened the brothers um, Henry and Clem Studebaker. The Studebros. Yeah, that's right. There were actually many other brothers. There were five brothers, five daughters, etc. They opened up a, a blacksmith shop and they they built their first vehicle, which is a farm wagon. Mm-hmm. So this is like 1850, right? By 1853, 
uh, one of the Studebaker brothers headed out to California to strike it rich, mm-hmm. and uh, d- he had something like 50 cents in his pocket when he went out, out west. Now, can you imagine doing that today? That's, uh, well, the equivalent, you know, $10 <laughs> or whatever right. it would be. I don't know. <laughs> um, but didn't find any work doing that. So he um, he came back, starts they start creating um, these wagons, and they sell a, they open up a, a, a dealership for wagons in, um, let's see, where was this? In Goshen, Indiana. So it was not in, in South Bend yet. Mm-hmm. But this is an 1857 Bend. They start selling their wagons in 1857. Wow. So this, this company has an incredibly long history. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in 1858, the guy that went out west comes back. Um, he has $8,000 now at this point because he had made money, uh, working on the tools of, of the, the gold rushers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the wheelbarrows, pickaxes, things like that, because he had these blacksmith skills, learned what to do, uh, and made pretty good amount of money for that time. Um, invested in the company, and they start this Studebaker family business of making wagons. And, um, so they started supplying wagons for the Union Army in 1862. In 1877, now, that's a long time ago. 1877. Yeah. Yes. Annual sales exceeded $1 million in 1877. What? $1 million 19th century dollars? $1 million in oh, 1877. Wow. So you can imagine what that would be worth today. That's a huge company of its day, in its day. I mean, you could Scrooge McDuck with that much money. <laughs> That's you could, exactly you know, you right. could swim through it. That's exactly right. That's a lot of money in 1877. Yeah. Now, um, in 1878, the wagons were exhibited and won, you know, worldwide awards at the Paris Exposition. Yes, yes. Um, 1888. This is a good. This is a good time of period for them. Mm-hmm. President Benjamin Harrison ordered Studebakers for the White House. The presidential wagon. The presidential wagons. Yeah, the, car- <laughs> the well, the carriages. You know, the carriages that uh, yes. he, would, he would use. So probably a lot more stately than what we're talking about. I not, imagine not farm wagons. I was assuming. Now. Here's where we get to the, uh, the the motorized part of this. In 1896, this is the very dawn of what we call the modern automotive era, where um, this is when you got the uh, Mercedes is, is messing around with the uh, the first combustion engines and you know mm-hmm. etc. Studebaker starts experimenting with powered vehicles in 1896, so uh, they're they're right on the forefront of all quick. this, right? Yeah, they're quick on it. And by 1902, the first Studebaker, the first Studebaker we call a car, was an electric vehicle. 1902. I did not know that. Didn't see that coming. Did I did you? not see that coming. Yep. So Studi- this first Studebaker automobile was an electric car, all electric. And that you're, if you remember, we've talked about that in the past, that sure. electric cars were, were at one time everywhere. They were mm-hmm. far more popular to have uh, or more prevalent than mm-hmm. the gasoline-powered vehicles at the time. Now, we, we know the story behind what happened there. Um, in, <laughs> All right. so they, they started, but they didn't start gasoline power production mm-hmm. until 1904. So again, still very, very early on in the game, 1904. By 1920, they quit making horse-drawn vehicles altogether. And that's when they were just, just making automobiles. Okay. So 1920, we're getting into the, uh, the modern era of automobiles here. And the 1920s, just to, just on a personal opinion mm-hmm. note, um, the Stu Bakers that came out, I think, in the twenties were some of my my favorites. Really, I could never own one. Well, the nineteen twenties cars are beautiful. It's just it's impractical yeah. to own one. They're so they're so big. Yeah, so. they're gorgeous. Though I know what you're saying. Yeah, and to go along with that, in the late nineteen twenties, they bought um, they they acquired the manufacturer Pierce Arrow. And if you know anything about Pierce Arrow cars, 
they're they're these extremely stately looking limousine type they're vehicles. They're iconic, yeah. They're beautiful, beautiful cars, mm-hmm. and you'll see them at concourse shows now. Sure, um, a lot of people collect Pierce Arrow vehicles, and uh, it's really, really, I don't know, just gorgeous cars. Uh, but, but in 1939, uh, so we're getting into the war years. They start um, supplying the Allies with equipment for World War II. Okay, mm-hmm. and first they they came up with trucks and airplane engines, and they had something called a weasel personnel carrier that they had. It looked like a lot like a tank. Uh, so if you look up the Studebaker Weasel, you'll find some information about that. Kind mm-hmm. of a unique name to it. I thought it was yeah. kind of interesting that they they did that even. Um, and then after the war, you know, to 1945, this is this is pretty key here. Mm-hmm. Life magazine did a ten page spread on Studebaker because they were the first. Uh, car company to produce a post-war automobile. I didn't know that. That's uh, you know how everybody suspended production yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. during the war years. In 1946, uh, Studebaker fired up production again. They were the first one to produce a post-war automobile. Yeah, thought that That's was surprising. Yeah, it is. It, it kind of is. I just have never heard that little fact mm-hmm. um, you know, in any of this history. So I um, thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Now, here's where we get to the Avanti. So, as you see, that's a long, long history, going way, way back. Yeah. Um, in 1962, uh, here it is. The Avanti was was uh, introduced at the Indianapolis 500. Remember, the pace car was mm-hmm. a, a Lark, a 1962 mm-hmm. Lark. That same year, the Avanti that we're talking about, and if you haven't seen a photo of this, take a take a look online. Just do a, a keyword search on Google, and you'll find it. Yeah. Um, it set 29 stock car records at the Bonneville Salt Flats that year. 29, 29 records, 29. speed records. I think it's safe to say that a lot of other car companies did not see this coming. No, no, no. This is the, this is the, it, it, this is now the world's fastest production car, the Studebaker mm-hmm. Avanti. If mm-hmm. you can believe that. I mean, when you look at it, you would never guess that today. But right. back then, you gotta remember what this looks like compared to, again, look back in their product line. Yes. Where it's coming from. And you'll be shocked to see the difference in design. And a, a lot of that is due to the, uh, the team that they have uh, engineering this vehicle. Exactly, exactly. So. And they did have a good team of engineers working on the vehicle. Uh, you mentioned the names. Um, but here's the problem. 1963, things started going a little bit wrong for Studebaker. I don't know exactly what was happening there. We, we're mm-hmm. not really getting into that today. But um, the automobile operations in South Bend, their headquarters, were shut down in 1963. Now, this is just one year after they come out with this fantastic new design. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they actually made quite a few... Uh, vehicles. I got production numbers somewhere here, but they made something like, you know, 4,600 or something like that up to that point. Maybe even a few more at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Oh, luck- oh yeah. Uh, they, they had built like 20 a day for a while. Oh, not bad. Not so. bad. Cause these are, uh, these are, you know, handmade, crafted, ve- well crafted vehicles. It's tough to get them through at mm-hmm. this point. Um, here's where a little bit of a, a a twist comes in. Yes. And do you want to do you want to take this where uh, Are we talking about 1964? Yeah, that's what we're talking about here. <clears throat> this is this is really interesting in the history of the vehicle because uh this is a, a real pivotal point. This yes. could have gone either way. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong on this Scott. And it's very nice of you to to toss this one my way because I love a good I love a good hero story, a good last minute, mm-hmm. you know, 11th hour redemption. A fellow named Nathan Altman uh, mm-hmm. And his buddy, Leo Newman, uh, they had a dealership in South Bend, Indiana. And uh, Altman, 
you know, after you have a dealership in the hometown of this company, Altman was understandably uh, distressed about Studebaker. Sure, he's tied to the company. Yeah. He loves Studebaker. Right, right. On a, Yeah, on a personal as well as a professional level. I think that is the pivotal moment here. I think that's what inspired him to uh, say, you know what, not only is Studebaker dying, but uh, – I can't let them lose the Avanti. He's like, I can't let the world lose this car. And he believes it so much that in uh, July of 1964, he purchases all the rights, all the equipment, all the leftover parts oh to, to the Avantis, and then um, gets the assembly plant, the tooling, the the, the body production, uh, and the car was made of fiberglass at that time, which yeah. I think is You know, one interesting interesting thing is that in trying to get financing for this, he went to some of the Detroit companies. He went to AMC. He went to Checker Cab Company and tried to get funding to to help him out with this thing. What did they say? And they said no. They said uh, even AMC didn't take it. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, AM General. AM General didn't take it. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, because Avante Motor Company is later called AMC. That's confusing later. Um, but AM General didn't want the car. Checker Cab Company, the the owner of Checker Cab Company, who makes those, uh, you know, the, the kind of the car that looks like the from the 1950s that was built until seemed like into the 2000s. Sure. That never changed in design. Yeah. Uh, kind of a neat design. He said, "Why would I ever want to buy rights to build such an ugly car?" Oh. He called. He just outright said the Avante was an ugly car and said he did not want to uh, to be any part of it. So uh, that's when Altman and, and Newman got together and they decided to buy it, like you mentioned. And they, yes, including so they, six buildings. Yes, yeah, so they went all in, mm-hmm. basically. I mean, this is and it's difficult to emphasize how much of a crazed gamble. It is to buy a line of a vehicle from a failing car company. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this company is going under. On your own, you know? I know. I know. It's amazing. This is, a, this is just an incredible story. Why, why, why would he do that? He really believed in it. He, he really, was a man on a mission. He truly did believe in it. And here you go. We've got some good news with that because he, uh, he ends up getting the parts that he can and working on uh, just a vi- with a very few modifications, mm-hmm. uh, he and uh, Newman start building Avantis. Well, the Avante Two, the Avante Two. Yes, yeah, they call yes. it the Avante Two because mm-hmm. it's not the Studebaker Avante from uh, the first two years of production, which were '62 and '63. Right. They and actually used Chevy engines. As a, there was a year off there where there was no production, mm-hmm. um, and in '65, that's when Newman and Altman began producing the Avante Two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, they actually were building more uh, Avantis than Studebaker was originally. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I think we said earlier Studebaker built 20 a day. Something like that. Yeah. They started out out of the gate building 45. Wow. So they really believed in this. Wow. And uh, you have to wonder what's between the lines there. Was it to the point where they were like, we have to sell this many? Yeah, but you know what? The thing is, I, I also read somewhere that said that they – they were selling every every car they could build. It was it was such a, a hot commodity at the time. Mm-hmm. People really wanted this car. It wasn't something. It, and you know maybe the rest of the the Studebaker line was was failing at that point. I don't know. Yeah. But um, if you can if you can sell as many cars as you make, it seems like you'd be doing all right. Yeah. That was yeah. the gamble they took. That was the gamble they took. You wanna you wanna go to the next chapter? <laughs> sure. Yeah. No problem. We've got uh, and I, again this just goes back to our timeline here. But yeah. Um, uh, let's see. You know, it wasn't until, you know, Studebaker had to round out production because they had leftover parts and, you know, they, they, I'm sure it was contract 
deals and things sure, happening. Yeah. So the final Studebaker didn't actually roll off the line until 1966, and that was in Hamilton, Ontario, because they had uh, production facilities all over the U.S., actually worldwide at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the final one was built in Hamilton, Ontario in 66. And I, that one, that car is also on display in the Studebaker Museum. Wow. Yeah. So they've got uh, some some interesting bits of history there as yeah. well. All right. So, anyways, that's another sidebar. Um, in 1982. So, oh, you know what? Let's let's uh, let's talk about this here because I'm going to go by Avante production years. Cool. Uh, because if we're talking about um, Leo Newman and uh, Nathan Altman, yes, they actually ran the uh, you know in some form or another. I don't remember how this all pans out. Who's in charge? You know what's mm-hmm. what's going on in these years. But from 1965 all the way until 1983. Yes. That was when the Avante 2 was produced. That's a long production run for Selling a Selling like hotcakes. That apparently. is a long, long yeah. production run from 65 all the way until 83. Mm-hmm. Um, that is when, um, and I'm going back and forth between two different sources here, but, um, mm-hmm. oh, that's when the- Stephen Blake purchased the rights to, uh, to build Avante Motors, or yes. purchased the rights for Avante Motors. Yes. To build the car. And he had big plans. He did. Stephen Blake did. Are we going into it? Yeah, please. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. I was, I was giving you the look like, is this? Should I do no, this? No, that's all right. To? Go ahead. Okay, so, um, yes, yeah, Stephen Blake, uh, round about October 1982. He uh, he wants to make the Avanti, Avante, uh, much more prominent. Mm-hmm. So he hits the auto show circuit. And he brings the vehicle there, uh, you know, to Washington, to LA, et cetera. Um, he didn't want to mess with the car's design too much because mm-hmm. he's a don't fix it if it ain't broke. Well, at guy. that time, it's iconic. Yes, exactly. Um, but he did want to make it look, um, the way they phrase it on one of my sources, the Avanti.com, is that he wanted to make it look more competitive. Mm-hmm. And that's where we see some of the contoured, uh, bumpers come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we see um, actually a limited edition. Yeah, in '84, right? Uh, Eighty. Well, actually, there may have been that, but there was also a 20th anniversary edition. There's a 20th anniversary in '83. Okay. okay. Uh, so that's probably what he was shopping around. That's uh, probably what he brought out first. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, and that's uh, that's got to get some attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, here you got a car that's been produced for 20 years, and people yeah. are familiar with it because you know they're on the roads. They're not. Uh, they're not well hidden. A lot of people own them, and mm-hmm. you know later I want to tell you about a, a list of celebrities yes. that have owned this thing. Yes. So, 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 so that uh, Blake is officially our take three at bringing the Avanti back. He was advertised as the savior of this vehicle. Um, unfortunately, his plans came to naught, mm-hmm. and uh, there were some issues. Uh, That's a good way to put it. Yeah, there were some issues. Yeah. So in '86, Avanti is again bankrupt. And uh, at the hands of uh, of Blake, mm-hmm. so uh, he sells or the assets are purchased by one Mr. Michael Kelly, and yes. uh, Kelly took over production for uh, really only three years, mm-hmm. eighty six to nineteen eighty eight, and uh, really the, again the production numbers for those years somewhat low. I'm going to say because it looked like there was only about three hundred and fifty. Maybe produced. Wow. Um, a lot of those were convertibles at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in those three years, then Kelly, um, Kelly moved the production to Youngstown, Ohio. And, and then he sold his share of Avante to a partner, the partner that he had gone in with, uh, John Cafaro, I think is his name. 
Is that the right way to say yeah, that? Yeah, well, I'll go with that. Caffaro, Caffaro. You say Caffaro, and then I'll say Caffaro, yeah. and we'll just cover <laughs> our bases. That's right. And then um, under under the same uh, wonder, Caffaro, mm-hmm. or whichever one I was going to say, uh, <laughs> he ran it from 89 to 91, and mm-hmm. it looks like uh, only about 21 – no, I'm sorry. Only about 300 vehicles were made in that three-year period. But he was doing that on purpose because he wanted it to be um, sort of a – a hard to find, ah. um, very luxurious. I see. Vehicle. Create create a demand for the vehicle. Yes. Yeah. I, I, see. I uh, see. Hold back on production. Create a demand. Yeah. Make it make it the Mercedes Benz, the Jaguar, mm-hmm. the BMW. And you know what? That may be where the price went up too, because uh, <laughs> you know I was looking at what a uh, 1991, uh, the base price of a 1991 Avante, sixty six thousand dollars, Ben. That's sixty six thousand in 1991. No. Wow. I know. And, and back in 63, now, of course, you know, the, the inflation, you know, and all yeah, that yeah, you yeah. have to account for. But it was about $6,500 in, in 1963, which I think was still expensive at the time. So they're building a premium on their premium. Exactly, quickly. yeah. But um, 66 in 1991, that was a um, a big chunk of change. Yeah. So um, I, I can understand what's going on here. He's, uh, like you said, holding back production, mm-hmm. boosting demand, and, and therefore price. Yes. Becoming a little more exclusive. Um so I guess there was a uh, an effort to reorganize the the corporation, mm-hmm. and uh, that didn't go so well in '91. So from 1991, um, that's where we begin this this big long per- dry period where there were no Avantes produced. Actually, mm-hmm. if you want to, '91 there were seven cars produced according <laughs> to records. Wow, that's just depressing. And in '92, from '92 all the way until the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Production numbers remain at zero, uh, so it's uh, it's just inactive, just sitting out there waiting for something to happen. Okay, um, but this is not the end of the movie. No, no, that's not the end. So in two thousand, um, actually in two thousand one, mm-hmm. Vante Motors was resurrected, and uh, it was produced in. I'm going to say this name, and, and you tell me if it's right. Villa Rica. Go for it, man. Villa Rica, Georgia. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it was really it was a restyled Avante. It's uh-huh. based on the Pontiac Trans Am. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess you know, well, it's not completely redesigned because if you look at it, you still see clearly the original Avante lines to it. Uh, but you know, it's a, it's a rework that's admirable. Is it a gritty reboot? Uh, yeah, I <laughs> guess it, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, but it's a Trans Am, or they call it a, maybe a formula based mm-hmm. uh, version. And in 2001, there were only something like 54 of these things produced. Wow. So production goes way down at this point, and yeah. it remains kind of low in the low, like, you know, low 80s, uh, even even down to 46, I think, in one so year. They're not breaking triple digits. No, exactly. And in 2005, they switched it over to be a Mustang GT-based vehicle mm-hmm. in Villa Rica. Now, okay, so here we're getting to, uh, we're getting to, the, to the end here. I just want to point out, that mm-hmm. the person who saved uh, Avanti at that time in 2000, yeah, a returning guy, Michael Kelly. Michael really? Kelly came back. Really? Yeah, he came back. Oh, okay, uh, so yeah, good. as chairman in 2000. Good catch. I didn't even mention that. But no, that's it. All that's right. It. Well, that's all right. So in 2000, he he picks up again with. Uh, it's the same guy from back in uh, when was it? Uh, 86. 86. The new Avanti movie. So the same guy repurchases the company again, I guess. And. Um, all right, so the, in 2005, now remember I mentioned in 2004, mm-hmm. uh, they have this next generation of Avanti that they build on the Mustang GT platform, right? Yes, yes. In 2005, 
there's kind of this this mention of a partnership between Avante and Ford, which is a great was great news for Avante, right? Because yeah. you know to tie themselves to a big uh, one of the big three automakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, great news. Here's the problem. <laughs> on on December 22nd of 2006, Michael Kelly was found guilty of operating a Ponzi scheme that he scammed uh, elderly people out of all of their money. Uh. You know, just a typical thing that we hear nowadays of, you know, what what happens in these things. We're talking like in the neighborhood of $420 million, something Gosh. like that. And he had just moved the operation to Cancun, Mexico. So he was going to – you're rubbing your face there because you hadn't heard this part, right? No, this is – Yeah, this is sad news for Avante because, um, you know, it was on its way back. Had this partnership with Ford all lined up and things were going well. <sighs> Unfortunately, you know, the, there's this Ponzi scheme that the uh, the founder is involved in, or the the, uh, the current owner, uh, Michael, Michael E. Kelly, yeah. and um, it, like I said, it's like we're talking 400 million plus in uh, in funds that were uh, scammed from from elderly people. Um, so he's jailed without bond, and uh, that's effectively the end of the Avante Motors Corporation. Um, now he, he did move operations down to Cancun, and mm. there were cars in production because I have a photo here. Of really. Avante is being produced in a, in a factory supposedly in uh, Cancun, Mexico on October 23rd, 2006. Now, that's just three months ahead of time when uh, the announcement came that he was involved in this, uh, um, I don't know, this, uh, what would you call that? What, what type of uh, problem is that? What, a Ponzi scheme? Yeah, what is that? That's uh, it's fraud. Fraud, yeah. So um, he's involved in fraud three months later. They, they, I mean, of course, all along he has been, but, sure. or at a certain point anyways. But, right. um, so this is just three months ahead of time, but there are cars on the production line that I see here people are working on. Scott, didn't you go to Cancun earlier this year? I did. I'm putting the pieces together. <laughs> yeah, I got my right. eye on yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Benjamin. I'm in, investing in, uh, in, yeah. Um, Avante, sure. Won't even Haven't get you noticed I've been wearing these AMC shirts around? Yeah, I figured. Did I you thought, wonder what that stood for? Well, uh, you know, we have AMC's their movie theaters. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. So you know, I earlier mentioned, you know, there was some exclusivity to these cars at, at a time in history. And yes. actually, right now, how many Avantes have you ever seen on the road? Have none, you ever seen one? None, not one. I happen to have seen a lot in Indiana because you know, makes sense. That right, makes sense. That makes sense. Sure. Just a just a few, maybe even just a couple months ago, I followed one here in Georgia for the, for a time on the way into work. Just you know, by by chance, I was behind this Avante. It had historic plates. I think I tweeted about it that day because it was so unusual. And we have a uh, we have an article on our site that's you know I I probably recommended it because it was how Avante cars work. Nice. And um, I, I thought well, it's a good tie-in, you know. And and it was an interesting car. It looked beautiful. It's a blue car, white interior. Uh, someone was smoking in the, in the driver's what? seat, which why I thought was a little weird. Why would you smoke in a anyways, car? Anyways, like it was that? a it was a pristine version. I could I had it was uh, an Avante two, but I had no idea what year it was. He should buy a, a smoking car. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Anyway, yeah, you know what? Not my car. But so who who owns these things? All right, so there's some celebrity owners throughout the years, and, and they're listed by year. And it looks like you know the, the latest that they go up to here is about 1988. Okay. Okay. And um, I don't know if that's the year of vehicle. I believe that is. And I think we'll just start out this list with uh, with. And I'll, go, I'll go down the list as, as on the Avante Owners Club uh, site. You know, nice. I think that was something like you know, where I came from. Yeah. Um, Shirley Bassey, that's a singer singer from England. You probably wouldn't know that one. No. No, I don't. Okay. Johnny Carson, you probably know him. Oh yeah, yeah. Host we, of the Tonight Show. Yeah, we used to hang. <laughs> That's right. Richard Carpenter, who was uh, part of the uh, the singing duo, the Carpenters, yes, of course. Yes. Alice Cooper. 
Alice Cooper owns a, uh, or wow. maybe he's actually sold it by this point, I think. Mm. But um, Alice Cooper owned one. Jimmy Dean from Jimmy Dean Sausage, <laughs> who is also um, a popular entertainer in the 1950s. He was a uh, an Avante owner. Dick Van Dyke owned one. Nice. And his vehicle is in the Peterson Auto Museum in Los Angeles, California. And then there's, uh, let's see, Fremont Ellis, who was an American Impressionist painter. And here's a funny thing about this one. Um in 19, the, the, the Studebaker and one of his paintings were traded for the 1967 Avante II. So he had one of the original 1963 Studebakers mm-hmm. and one of his paintings that he traded for uh, a, a more modern version of the Avante. Um, we should start painting. Kind of interesting. We should start painting. Yeah, not a bad idea. Make a lot of money doing that, apparently. Uh, maybe. Who's Trade next? it for cars. <laughs> um, oh, Dr. J., Julius Irving. No way. Yeah, yeah, from the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. He owned one. Ian Fleming. Okay. Yeah, now that says something to me. When I read that one, that one, I, I here's a guy that writes the James Bond novels. What do you yeah. think he's going to drive? An Aston Martin? I was assuming. He drove a 1963 Studebaker Avante. Or at least for a time he did, anyways. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Andy Granatelli, who was a, uh, a test driver, Indy 500 legend, STP pitchman. Mm-hmm. You probably have heard the name from the Indy 500. Yeah, he's that's his daily driver. Uh, yeah, that's right. Maybe. He's like, uh, this is the slow one. Al Jardine from the Beach Boys. All right. I can see that. Convertible. Red convertible with a tan interior. You can uh, picture that, right? Yeah. Uh, DeForest Kelly, who was uh, from the original Star Trek. Yes. Um, and McCoy. interestingly enough, that vehicle appears in one of the scenes in San Francisco from the fourth Star Trek film, The Voyage Home. Just as in a background, you know, it's on on the street. He's like, I'm just going to park my car well, here, Well, isn't that kind of cool? I mean, <laughs> that that's kind of cool. neat to be able yeah. to, to kind of make a... Uh, make a cameo. Uh, yeah, exactly, cameo. Uh, Sandy Koufax from mm-hmm. the L.A. Dodgers, pitching, pitcher. Michael Landon owned one. I'm getting to the end of my list here, by the way. Oh, sorry. No. Michael Landon owned one. Uh, of course, a Little House on the Prairie, Bonanza. Um, that car is currently owned by Richard James. Oh, you know what? That doesn't really necessarily mean anything, but I think that's one of the uh, owners in the owner's club. Oh, <laughs> so anybody, anybody from the owners club probably knows. Oh, congratulations. Hey. Yeah, just Mr. mentioned James. Richard James there. He, um, let's see. Barry Morrow, who wrote, uh, he wrote the Rain Man screenplay. Oh, uh, Ricky Nelson. Ricky Nelson <laughs> um, owned one. Uh, Rod Serling owned one. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, he's my hero. Yeah, creator of the Twilight Zone. Yeah. So you know that guy, right? Yeah. Um, who uh, I think it's been sold at this point, but um, Herb Schreiner, he was a 50s. TV personality. Unfortunately, he and his wife were actually killed in his Avante on, uh, let's see, in California somewhere in 1970. Anyways. Well, don't let in there. Bring it No, up. no, I'm not. Gene Siskel owned one. There we go. Frank Sinatra owned one. Oh. Frank. All blue eyes That's right. So that's a long list that I just went through there. But um, just that gives you an idea of that, you know, the uh, the movers and shakers of the day were, were driving mm-hmm. around in Avantes. And it had some prestige tied to it. Yeah. Uh, if you had one, it was a, it was a unique vehicle. Then I think, um, oh God, I wish I could see one in real life, you know. Well, it's, it's easy enough. You can look it up online and, and hmm. find, you know, maybe a local museum that has one or something like that. Because good call. they're around. There are an awful lot of them made. Yes. Uh, there's a good chance that you're going to see one soon. Yes. These these are not um, mysterious, one-of-a-kind no. cars. No, you'll spot them are. on the road occasionally and mm-hmm. in museums. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I guess that about does it for us here. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've got more stuff, but I'm not going to read it because it, we've just gone way too deep Have into we? this thing. Because, you know, there's a list of standard features, optional features that are yeah, kind yeah. of interesting because it was a little unique. But um, really, I think people should uh, investigate it on their own because not only I, I'd like them to see this car and see what it looks like. Because if you do yeah. know what it looks like, you can maybe watch for it on the road someday and see mm-hmm. if you can spot one. But uh, like you said, they're not all that rare. Kind of fun to watch for. And if you're sitting around listening to this right now and you're having a hard time walking around your house because of all the piles of money you have and you're wondering, what can I do with all this money? It's a fire hazard at this point. Try to find one of those Cancun-built cars. They've got to be worth something, right? Yeah, pick up an Avanti. Um, Or perhaps an Avanti 2 if you can find one. Oh, yeah, yeah, from Um, back in the day. I think there's also a four-door model, briefly. Hmm. Um, However, in the meantime... If you have any questions, uh, you, we, re- we highly recommend the article that you mentioned earlier, Scott, mm-hmm. how Avanti cars work on our website. We also have, uh, pretty much anything you would want to know about automotive topics on our same website. If you want to talk to us directly, you, uh, should check us out at Twitter. Um, we're entertaining, we're funny, and, uh, we're very short, uh, what is it? We don't speak very long on no, Twitter. No, no, it's just, uh, it's really short. Just a few characters. I'd yeah. say under 140 just to ballpark it. That's, that was our decision too. Yeah. And then, uh, and then on Facebook, you can find us. You can also, uh, check out our blog on the website. And if you have any questions, if you have an Avanti story, I'd love to hear from a driver. If you have an Avanti, if send in have, some photos. Yes, yeah. Um, you can send those to, uh, our grateful attention at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.